0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Showtime College Football. I'm your host, Chase Davidson. I'm alone in the studio today, but I'm here to talk about week two, which was nothing short of astonishing and exciting. We saw something that we almost never see in the modern college football world. Nick Saban and Alabama lost at home in Tuscaloosa to the Texas Longhorns. Dang! I hope every single one of you guys saw that game. Go look up the highlights. It's not very often you see that. I believe Alabama has lost at home, period. In the last, I think in the last ten years they've lost two or three times at home. Oh, I can see, I can think off the top of my head: 2019 LSU, Ole Miss. I think 2014, 2012 Johnny Menzel. I think those are only the only three losses in the last ten years. And Johnny Menzel wouldn't even be ten years, so. Dang, it was the first time they had lost a non-conference home game since 2007 from what I've, from what I've read. 2007 guys, I was six years old. The last time that Alabama lost to a non-conference team at home. That's crazy. Wow. So just saying, even if you don't like Texas, even if you don't like either of these teams, that's nothing short of amazing you gotta appreciate the significance of that win. And that's that's not easy. Quinn Ewers immediately has jumped up in the Heisman polls. I mean, I think he was probably sitting at uh let me take a guess, seven to ten before Saturday. And now he's he's sitting in the top five. Uh I, I've seen a lot of places have him even at two or three, uh right under Caleb Williams. So We'll keep an eye on Quinn Ewers, I mean, as if we weren't already. Um, he performed amazing. 349 yards, three touchdowns, and he was just bombing it down the field. The, the the thing, though, that if you watch that game, almost everyone who watched that game can say that Quinn Ewers looked cool and collected in Tuscaloosa. This is not a home game. This is the, probably one of the biggest games of his entire life. I would say this is a bigger game than a lot of, Bowl games, or even or even a New Year's Six game, just because it's at Alabama, this has not happened very often. This is a huge win to say Texas is back, and this is probably one of the biggest wins since the Mac Brown Texas era. I would say this is probably the biggest win in Texas football history in a very long time since 2010 or before that. Now, before you say anything, they won only by 10. Alabama did really struggled Jalen Milrow, Milrow at quarterback didn't look super hot he threw two picks He still threw two for 255 yards threw some bombs down the field he's still a dog but now Alabama's reconsidering having him in the starting role as I heard the backup I can't remember his name can't remember his name um they're starting to question whether or not Jalen Milrow is the starter for the rest of the season for Bama So, I don't know, guys. We'll see. I have never seen anything like that. And obviously, all of a sudden, Texas, if they weren't in the playoff conversation, they are now. Texas shot up immediately to number four in the AP poll, number four in my poll. I think that's a great spot for them for now uh, because they could easily have won this game and let it get to their heads and lose another. But I like Texas to go to the playoff. I mean, that's harder than any win, pretty much anywhere, to win in Tuscaloosa. If you can win in Tuscaloosa like that, you can pretty much win any game. Obviously, even if if Bama is not quite the Nick Saban dynasty Bama that we've seen before, still. Now, I I don't know if I'm going to say Texas is going to go undefeated, but I definitely see them one loss maybe to um, it could even be a trap game, but I see them maybe losing to Oklahoma this year. Um, and then winning the, the Big 12 and going to the playoff, 100%. One loss, Texas, in the playoff, easily doable. When you have a win like that, your resume looks pretty dang good, as long as Bama doesn't bomb the season, which I don't think they will. But for Bama, this is going to be a tough place to come back from. You've never lost like this in your history. I was saying this during the game. It's no offense to Bama fans. It's just a product of how good you've been. But Alabama fans – don't really know how to lose now last year you lost two games barely and you know you've lost one maybe two games per season but still at home and and the one against joe burrow in 2019 i mean that was 2019 lsu i i was not surprised when lsu went up by 30 in that game it was a little closer at the end but but i mean in reality alabama has not lost at at home in a long time if you're an alabama fan you have not walked away from Bryant-Denny Stadium feeling like that in 10 years. That's crazy. That's crazy. All of Alabama's hard losses, all the times they've even had a bad season and not made the playoff, they've still never lost at home. They don't lose at home. This And I remember me and Chase Sneddon uh, in one of the early episodes of this podcast were talking about how Bama, we could see dropping – one or two games this year, but we didn't see him. I didn't really see him losing to Texas this early. I didn't see that coming. I definitely liked Texas coming in, but the the win against Rice was okay. They struggled a little bit, and I mean, there's it's Texas, so you never know how actual consistent they're going to be. But boom, they're here. Texas is back. Hook them, hook them horns, baby. I've never been a huge Texas fan, but anybody who beats Bama like that, hook them. Horns up, baby. Now the real question is, is can Bama recover? As they still have two or three pretty tough opponents at home. I believe they play Tennessee at home. LSU, we'll see how they are. So it's not going to be easy. They play also Ole Miss at home, I believe. So it's not going to be an easy road. Alabama has a really tough home schedule. I don't think they're even going to lose on the road. They don't really play anybody else on the road. Just a normal SEC West schedule. I think they have pretty much everyone relevant at home this year I could be wrong that there might have been one of those games that's not but I know Tennessee LSU and Ole Miss and Arkansas are all at home so that that leaves they do play at Texas A&M that's always going to be a struggle but Texas A&M showed how good they are this week we'll talk about that later and that loss to Miami but Bama I think you're going to be okay I don't know if the playoff is going to happen Got to get that quarterback situation filled out. F- Got to get that quarterback situation figured out. We'll see on Bama. Let's let's, uh, let's hang tight. The polls have them at 10 in the AP poll, which I think is kind of interesting. They dropped more than they usually do to a loss. Bama, when they lost to Tennessee, I think only dropped to like six. When they lost to LSU again, or you know when they lost to LSU last year, that second loss, they still, I don't think, they ever dropped out of the top 10. I believe their streak of... What is it, four or five years now, straight, they have not left the top ten. I think twenty nine there was one playoff they missed. It was either twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen that they finally fell out of the top ten when they played uh who did they play in the Sugar Bowl? Anyways, they played in that uh not not Kansas State last year, but a different one. Um and they lost they lost that one. Or they won the Sugar Bowl, but they didn't make the playoff. Okay. Next, let's get into some follower takes. Now this is not gonna be a big segment. I asked a question specifically about Texas. I said, where would you rank Texas and why? Now, let's hear y'all's responses. I'm doing this off the cuff. Steven Sunwall said, number four. They earned it with a dominant win in Tuscaloosa. 100%. I have them at four. Jackson8685 says, Texas jumps to five. They will make the playoff eventually, but I I do not think they're top four yet. I could see that. Definitely, uh... Um, viable KRG 2056 said the same thing. Number five, they don't feel like a top four yet. I can see that. However, the only thing I don't see is who is your top four then? Because Texas has the best winning college football right now. Them and Florida State. Other than that, though, I mean, I don't really know who you'd rank above Texas and FSU other than Georgia and Michigan. This is why Texas has fit so well at number four. I have Washington at my five. Penn State at six, Ohio State, actually no, USC at seven, Ohio State at eight. Now, maybe I could see if you put USC at four and Texas at five. But once again, this season, I I mean, obviously Texas has the best win. I don't really know exactly who you're putting in front of them as right now. Um, My boy, Sean Latigue said third for sure. They're looking nice. Third, interesting. Um, Another person saying three, similar team to Florida State before the season with a more impressive win. Okay, this is Jake E... Okay, I don't even know how to say your name. Jake E. Liverum, Jake E. Leverum. I don't know. Jake. I'll call him Jake. Well, similar team to Florida State before the season with a more impressive win. Totally agree. A lot of hype coming into the season. Um, A mid-8, 9, 10 win season last year. Good season, but drop some games you shouldn't have. And, you know, building up to this year... Florida State and Texas were those two teams that were kind of stirring, them, stirring around. Can they win those big non-conference games at the start of the season? Exactly. I think they're right there. Right now, for me, they're neck and neck with Florida State just because you know they've done pretty much the same thing so far. Now, Clark underscore Rob 17 said, I'm putting them at six because, unfortunately, Alabama isn't the team everyone thinks they are. Fair. I mean, it's the second week of the season. We do not know... How good everybody is. Same with Florida State. Does it? It really depends on how good LSU is. How good? Like we don't know. If LSU is just a dumpy seven six win team, then Florida State's win will eventually mean nothing to them. But for right now, LSU and Bama are LSU and Bama. They looked pretty good coming into the coming into the season. So I, for right now, Alabama is still Bama. Unless they prove me wrong some other way, they've earned that right to have the status they have. All right. Oh, let's go one more. The crown underscore underscore jewel. New one. Welcome. Three, because they are the third best team. Okay, great. I'm assuming they are behind Georgia and Michigan for you. Um, But yeah, honestly, like, I don't blame people who put them at one, two, and three. Same as Florida State, because Georgia and Michigan, I know that Georgia tried to schedule Oklahoma, and it just didn't work out because of the SEC thing. But this is the problem when you don't schedule hard non-conference games. At the start of the season, you're going to get overlooked. People, Michigan fans are getting mad when Florida State and Texas are jumping them in a lot of people's polls. I'm sorry, but when you play UNLV and East Carolina, and I don't even know who else they play. They play some other dumpy team. This is what's going to happen. Uh, no matter how good you play, even if you were to blow out East Carolina last week, 72 to nothing still, you're going to get somewhat overlooked just because those teams aren't really doing anything. So just keep that in mind. Non-conference games are super important and they really prove how good the conference is overall. How good it is overall. Now, this is one thing I want to get into. The Pac-12. The Pac-12. If they continue this and they're winning all these out-of-conference games they can have so much more leverage at the end of the season to throw in a playoff team. Because as of last week, the Pac-12 was 13-0, obviously against all non-conference opponents, and the only ones that lost this week were the ones that weren't playing anybody, you know, they were the lower, like the lower end, lower three teams of the Pac-12. All the big games in the Pac-12, they won, all the ones that meant something. So the Pac-12 is further proving their case as the deepest and nearly the best conference right now, honestly, um, obviously Arizona lost in overtime to Mississippi State with some controversial calls. Crazy game. Um obviously Stanford lost to USC, which doesn't really count. Not out of conference. But Cal barely lost to Auburn. Cal kind of shot themselves in the foot. They really should have beat Auburn. We'll talk about that game later. Um, Arizona State lost to Oklahoma State. Arizona State is just terrible. Anyways, they're still against non-conference opponents. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um so there's seven they went seven and three this week so they're 20 and three the pac 12 is 20 and three against non-conference opponents right now and those teams they lost to or the teams that lost were you know their their bottom three teams they won all their big games utah beat baylor albeit a little sloppy we'll talk about that later but colorado beat nebraska Oregon beat Texas Tech. Washington State beat Wisconsin. Washington beat Tulsa. Uh, that's fine. UCLA beat San Diego State, and so on. The Pac-12 right now is cementing that even if they maybe guys, this could be the year. Does the Pac-12 have have a two-loss champion that gets in to the playoff? I think if any if if this is going to happen any year, it could happen this year. We've never seen a two-loss team get into the into the College Football Playoff. Never, never in in the uh, nine years of its uh, of its happening. We'll definitely see, obviously, with the 12-team playoff, 100%. There'll be tons of two-team loss or two-loss teams in there. But we still haven't seen it. Last year, LSU was kind of flirting around with it. Uh, Auburn one year almost pulled it off. So we've seen it happen before. But this year, the Pac-12 being so deep. I could easily see a Washington or USC. I mean, pretend those guys go at it. I mean, even if that loss is in the Pac-12 championship. I mean, guys, a two-loss team, if their losses are to Oregon and USC and it's a Washington team, I mean, you got to put them in the playoff. Now, obviously, it depends on who's there. You know, the circumstances permit, but I think if anything, the Pac-12 they're cementing their case they could they could definitely get a team in unless they all go to three three losses or the only two loss team gets beat in the Pac-12 championship I I just I actually a lot of people are really against this they do not see a Pac-12 team Pac-12 team going to the playoff I do for me it's almost impossible for one not to go call me out on this it might not even happen all depends on the playoff committee, obviously. It's relative. But the fact that they're winning these non-conference games, they can come at the end of the season and be like, hey, we're the best conference because no one could beat us. Let's keep going. Um, Channeling into that, Nebraska-Colorado. Colorado, Colorado, we have to start talking about it. Colorado is a Pac-12 championship contender. They are. Now, I'm not saying to win it, to go to the Pac-12 championship. They're definitely going to be flirting with that bid. 100% 100% at this point. Now, some people are not quite on the train yet. They've woken up to Colorado and Deion Sanders. I am on the train. Get me on that train. I'm ready. I'm on Team Prime. Let's go, Colorado. I love it. I have them at 13 in my poll, which is, I know it's very high. I know I'm delusional, but I like them. I like the moxie they have. I like the spirit with with, with, with which they play. I think with the confidence and swagger they play with, obviously they have an enormous target on their chest, almost more than USC just because of the media. But, oh, man, Colorado USC is going to be a dogfight. Actually, not a dogfight. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be 70-63. to Caleb Williams wins with seven touchdowns. We'll see about that. I mean, hate them or not, I mean, Nebraska is a quality team. Despite what people may say, Nebraska is a good team. No matter what, they're a good team. TCU is a good team. Despite what the problems the defense might have, it is hard to throw for 900 yards in two games. Shadir Sanders has thrown for 900, uh, let's see, 910 yards? 903 yards in two games. That's number one in the nation among Power 5 QBs. You know who's number two? Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams has played another game. Caleb Williams has played three games. Insane. He's going for 900 yards. Now, Nebraska did get to him a lot. That is probably the biggest problem for Colorado right now, is making sure that O-line is disciplined and Covering up your star. I mean he can't take an eight sack game. He got sacked eight times against Nebraska Gotta gotta get that down. Otherwise on other fronts, Colorado is looking insane. So Against a team like maybe like Utah Or even like Oregon you Gotta get that offensive line going. They're gonna struggle Now top ten passing yards by power five QBs Shadir Sanders is number one. Caleb Williams is number two Michael Penix is number three. All of those guys have 800 plus. Um, you scroll down to number uh, eight, nine, and 10, Pac-12 quarterbacks, Cam Ward, Bo Nix, and Jaden DeLara of Arizona. Cam Ward of Washington State. So you have, of the top 10 QBs in the nation, six of them are in the Pac-12. Six of the top 10. Guys, the Pac-12 we've we've been saying this all year, even in the preseason, we knew this was going to happen with that quarterback situation and just with the team situation. The Pac-12 is just absolutely insane. It is easily the hardest, one of the hardest conferences we've ever seen ever in depth. We've never seen, especially like the way it's so flashy, all the quarterbacks, all these amazing passing offenses. The only one that's been lacking right now is actually Utah, just because Cam Rising's out. We're not even talking about Cam Rising yet. So hopefully he comes back. Utah has been definitely struggling without him. I really pray they get him back. It'd be awesome to see him playing and putting keeping Utah undefeated. Let's stay on the Colorado-Nebraska subject. Number 22 Colorado, one at home in Boulder. Some Obviously some flashy plays for uh, for Colorado and Shadir Sanders and Travis Hunter. Gotta love to see it. Now Nebraska and Matt Rule head coach matt rule they got some questions to answer as quarterback sims was uh a turnover machine i believe he fumbled or or threw picks i believe he threw four times he threw one pick and i think he had three fumbles now i can't remember if it was three or four guys it was bad threw for 106 yards Uh, not the best Obviously, Nebraska definitely loves to move the ball on the ground a little more, but you got to get something at quarterback. They even put in um, some other options to try and get something going. But Nebraska, I thought this was going to be your year to come back. I think it's going to take a little bit longer. Don't worry, you're in good hands with Matt Rule, but it's going to take a little longer than that. But that stadium in Boulder was rocking. That was my I put that on my Instagram at Showtime CFB. For the best crowd of the week best home environment because Boulder has not seen that kind of crowd in a long time, long time and it was electric, you could tell, I mean the fans were just ready to erupt at any play there is, oh that's awesome guys, that's some good college football, Colorado, Nebraska I love it, now I think Colorado probably played their, a really bad game, they did not play that great of a game still won 36-14 but Nebraska did not play that great either. Very sloppy game. So hopefully Colorado can clean it up this week against Colorado State. Let's look forward to Colorado's schedule. They, have, they do have a break next week. Colorado State. Get everything situated. Get a little more, you know, settled down. Everything settled down. But after that, they go to Otts Stadium in Eugene, Oregon. Play number 13, Oregon, and Bo Nicks. Seven days later, they play USC oof then they play arizona state and stanford have a few easier games in there then they play three more ranked teams actually they play like four more ranked teams they play at they go out to the rose bowl play ucla then they play oregon state at home they have arizona then they have washington state and utah they play six ranked teams from now so they play seven including tcu now, I don't know if all of those teams will be ranked at the time, but I guarantee you Utah, Oregon State, USC, Oregon, and either UCLA or Washington State will be ranked. So they're going to play five, at least five ranked teams. Good luck, Colorado. I'm on your, I'm on the train. I'm on the hype train. But uh, that's a tough one. You got a gauntlet ahead of you. And uh, I definitely do not see them winning all these games. However, I definitely see them uh, pulling off a few upsets. I could see them beating, um, I don't know if I see them beating Oregon or USC. It's going to be tricky. But I could definitely see them being maybe a UCLA. You know, obviously Arizona State, Stanford, Arizona. They beat those three easier games. I could maybe see them winning against Washington State, maybe. Maybe even pulling off an upset against Utah. I don't know. But Colorado. You got two wins. You're, you might have three after this week. And uh, getting getting four or five more wins is going to be pretty tough. So uh, let's just say my ceiling for Colorado is probably a nine-win season. Floor, uh, seven-win season, um, despite me being on the hype train. Just because the, the Pac-12 is week in, week out. I mean, you finish the season with six ranked teams, that's tough. And then also Oregon and USC back-to-back. Ugh. Most of those games are away games too. Most of the ones they play ranked are away. So, yeah. And to end this Pac-12 segment, I asked our followers about the Pac-12. I asked you guys, um, can the Pac-12 team make a playoff this year? I already talked about it. Um, let's see what y'all said. Um, there's a few possibilities A lot of people said Washington. A lot of people just answered, Washington will do it. Ryan Dot said, "said Utah, um, Jackson eight six eight five said, not with how competitive the Pac twelve will be, I can't see a team making it out with one loss. Yeah, um, a one loss team in the Pac twelve will be in the playoff hundred percent. And then, like you said, maybe a two loss team, maybe they could pull it off if they if it's an early loss. You know, if it's like they they lose two earlier in the season and they end with a bang. Maybe USC if they lose to." Oregon and then they lose to Utah but they are able to rally and win the Pac-12 championship in style maybe they could do it let's see Bren Hitch 2-1-1 said no they are so deep that they will all have two plus losses two plus I mean I actually I should do the math is it possible for all of them to have three losses is it possible to not even have a two loss team come out of the come out of the Pac-12 with the Pac-12 championship that might I don't even know if it's possible Because I feel like there has to be a team that comes out somewhere, right? Because the Pac-12 last year, they all lost to each other. There was a wheel. Um, It was really funny because every team kind of beat each other. As in like, you know, Cal beat Stanford. Stanford beat Arizona. Arizona beat Arizona State. Arizona State beat Washington. Washington beat Oregon. And it just kept on going. So like, no one had like a tiebreaker, really. And they had to break out some math to really figure out who the winner was. So... Super interesting. All right. Let's keep going. Let's go over some of my favorite games of the week. Oregon-Texas Tech. What a game. Now, I had Texas Tech ranked very high coming into the season. I loved them. They went and lost to Wyoming last week. And I wasn't feeling so good about them anymore. But Oregon went to Lubbock to play Texas Tech at home. Wow. Texas Tech went up 28-17. At one point, Texas Tech, maybe it was 27-18, but anyways, Texas Tech in the fourth quarter was up a sizable margin on Oregon. Now, this game came down to field goals, and it was very, very tight and contested the whole time. This game was awesome. Back and forth, highlight plays, let's go over it real quick. Now, if you didn't see it, go watch the highlights. Tyler Shaw, a former Oregon QB, transferred to Texas Tech, threw for 282 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. Three interceptions. That was what killed Texas Tech. Honestly, this game, I've, I've been high on Oregon. I've had them, I even had them rank seven last week in my poll. Guys, Oregon did not look quite as good this week. Now, I think it was just a struggle. I still believe in Oregon. I still think Oregon is very strong. I only moved them back, I think a few spots. I think I, have, I think I have a nine or ten in my poll now. I I just because mainly because of Texas moving forward and Bama coming back. There was a few, a few cosmetic things that needed to happen just with the poll. But Oregon had a lot of penalties. They led the entire FBS in penalty yards in that game. 124 yards. Oh. Ouch! 124 yards. Let's see how many penalties they have. I think it was 12 penalties. 14. 14 penalties for 124 yards. That is tough. Guys, Oregon was set up to lose in this game. Texas Tech handed it over to him. Now, I love Oregon. Bo Nix did a great job. He still threw for 359 yards. Great. 32 for 44. Bo Nix did his part. Just Texas Tech had it in the bag. That's what I'm saying. They threw three picks. Taylor Shaw threw three picks. He humiliated himself. They had the win. Oh my gosh, guys! Ah, oh, this game was crazy. Now I, I, you know, obviously I'm trying to be unbiased. I kind of like Oregon to to do well in the Pac-12 this year. So, you know, I was I was hoping that Maya would be right with Oregon. I'm still a little sour that I was wrong about Texas Tech. This was one of my highest ranked non-conference games coming into the season. So now Texas Tech is 0-2. They lost the game. And uh, it was crazy. 28, 27-18, Texas Tech's up. Oregon drives down the field, 17-play, 6-minute drive to make it 27-25. Oregon's defense comes up with a huge stop. they able to stop Texas Tech on a fourth down. And they bring it up, hit a field goal. Up by one with 10 minutes to go. 28-27. This was all going on during the Texas-Bama game. I was switching back and forth. Oh, it was so good. Texas Tech drives down the field. They hit a field goal. 30-28, Texas Tech. What happens next? Oregon drives down the field. They get a field goal. 31-30, Oregon. One minute left. Texas Tech... At this point, actually has it in the bag. They are down by one. They get a big pass. They get past the fifty. They are driving down. Oh, it's looking good. They're starting to wind down the clock a little bit. Um, they're, you know, they're, they don't want to give Oregon any time because now they're getting close to field goal range. Oh boy, guys, Tyler Shaw throws a pick six to Oregon, and they return it. All the way into the end zone with 35 seconds left to pull off a crazy win. The the Pac-12 barely survived the Big 12 yesterday. Utah had a crazy ending with Baylor. Oh, my gosh. Some crazy games. Oregon pulls off the win 38-30. They go home 2-0. They survive Texas Tech. There are some concerns. The penalties have got to be addressed. Um, Oregon's got some things to do. Quickly, let's hit Ole Miss Tulane. I was loving this game. I actually picked Tulane to win this one. Uh, but alas, the scoreboard does not show it. The final score, I believe, was 38-17. Was it, it did not look very good, fellas. It was uh, pretty, pretty dismal, to say the least, the final score for what actually happened in the game um the final score was 37 20 37 20 you know what score was at halftime 17 7 Tulane Tulane was at 17 7 they were dominating with a backup quarterback Michael Pratt Tulane's quarterback who was perfect last week wasn't even playing weren't even playing or wasn't even Yeah. wasn't even playing and Tulane was mopping the floor of the Ole Miss Ole Miss could not do anything on offense, and Tulane was looking like they were probably going to win just because of how it was going. And then all of a sudden, Ole Miss kind of turned on the jets. They started scoring, and it was really close. For a long time, it was 17-14. So just giving some context, this was not a blowout. 37-20 was not accurate to the score. Kai Horton, the backup for Tulane, was slinging it. Jackson Dart turned it on. And, uh, Ole Miss started doing their thing. And Tulane, for some reason, just could not get down the field anymore. They were able to finally get one drive. They got stopped at the 10. They got a field goal to put it within seven. I believe it was, uh, 27-20. Ole Miss was up on Tulane. Tulane goes for the onside. They don't get it. Goes out of bounds. Uh, but there's still a chance. There's still th- almost three minutes on the clock. So, I mean, they got all three timeouts. They can totally make it happen. So, Tulane. They get the stop. They stop him. One, two, three, and four. Now, sadly, the ball from the onside kick was, you know, because it went out of bounds, it gave him that penalty. So, they actually, Ole Miss started that drive on, like, the Tulane, like, 40. So, they didn't even need that many yards to get a field goal to ice it. But they couldn't get anything. They got, I think, uh, three or four yards on that four and out, three and out. And they sent out the field goal unit for a 56-yarder. Ole Miss does to put the game away. They're up up by seven at this point. Oh, my gosh. A 56-yarder by Caden Davis, the kicker from Ole Miss, puts the game away. 30-20. Oh, my goodness. Then Tulane gets the ball back. And the reason why the score looks so bad is because um, the backup, Kai Horton, was trying to throw the ball, stripped from the quarterback, sacked, fumble return touchdown, scoop and score for Ole Miss, 37-20. So that's how that happened. That game, within three minutes, was a one-score game. So don't let that fool you. I would not say Tulane is a bust. They kept it with Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss this year. But let's leave it be. I do not have Tulane ranked anymore. I have them right outside, you know, 30, right in that range. But uh, that was tough. Tulane pretty much had it, and uh, they let it go. The defense let it go. Okay, Wisconsin-Washington State. I called this one as an upset alert, red alert. I was ready for this one to be an upset. Wisconsin was going to Pullman, Washington, and that place is hard to play, especially at night. On that kind of grayish field they have up there, Washington State kind of underrated because of the Giants in the in the Pac-12. Cam Ward, quarterback, did great last week, and uh, Washington State kind of took over. They went up, I think, uh, by quite a bit, like twenty-four to nine at halftime, and Wisconsin had some rallies, got it back, but Wisconsin put it away and. Uh, they didn't look too bad. Wisconsin did so show some life. I don't think Wisconsin's quite a bust yet. Tanner Mordecai looked good, um, but Washington State pulled out the upset. I got Washington State I got Washington State ranked at twenty-three in my poll. On to the next one, Utah Baylor. Utah Baylor. This one was crazy. Utah. I am still a little hesitant on. I have not seen, they have not passed the eye exam, the eye check, what do you call it? The eye test, the eye test. I just haven't seen them play football that looks like they could beat a USC or Oregon or even, you know, a Washington. I haven't quite seen it yet. Obviously, the quarterback's out, yes. The backups for Utah, uh, Nate Johnson and uh, what's the other one's name? Such with an S. I know that. Anyways, not looking too hot. Utah was down. Um, they didn't score for most of that game. It was 13-6. to They still haven't scored a touchdown. They'd gotten two field goals to Baylor. They were down 13-6 with about three minutes left. They were able to finally put together their drive. Tied the game with about a minute left. 13-13. And Baylor... Threw a pick to Utah on like the forty on their own forty, and uh, Utah went down and scored, won the game twenty thirteen. If any of you guys are asking on that very last play if Baylor should have gotten a call, yeah, they should have. Now I'm not salty. I don't think I I don't think Baylor should have won the game. I think Utah should have killed them. What I'm saying is that that was should have been definitely called. I don't think even if it was called, guys. It would have been 15 yards. They were on their own 30. This is for the Hail Mary, by the way. Throwing a Hail Mary, I mean, they would have gotten 15 extra yards. Baylor still would not have converted that Hail Mary, even if they called the the thing. So, sure, whatever. But Utah just hasn't looked good yet. Their defense, I mean, Baylor kind of ran through it at the start of the game. They were, Utah's defense has not looked very sturdy to me yet. I, I am all for Utah, even coming from a, you know, a BYU resident, student, fan. I really liked Utah coming into the season. You guys know this. I was like, yeah, Cam Rising, baby, let's go. I got Utah being really good this year. Their schedule's hard, but I got them winning Florida-Baylor. I, I think I think they can definitely pull off some wins and maybe make the Pac-12 championship again. I wasn't anything, uh, you know, I, I my... My thoughts on them have actually gone down, even though they've played Florida and Baylor. Yeah, they've won. They've beat 2 well, 0. A win is a win. Yes, a win is a win. They won. There's a reason they haven't dropped 2010 rankings in my rank. If they lost, they would drop. But they have slowly gotten passed up in my rankings, even though they are playing good teams, Florida and Baylor, which admittedly are not that great of teams. Utah has done so in a fairly sloppy fashion, even against Florida. The 24 to 11 just didn't look very good. It was pretty much Florida shooting themselves in the foot, and it was kind of the same thing here with Baylor. I'm still just not impressed with what they're doing. They're still, I think, 13 in my poll. Great, they're still 13. They have a hard enough schedule that they will definitely prove themselves. We will see what Utah's made of because they have a great hard schedule. And I, Utah, I applaud you for scheduling Florida and Baylor. Obviously, you did not know that they were kind of going to be busts this year. But I love it. That's what college football is about. I respect the heck out of Utah for scheduling those two games. Major respect. So, no hate for beating Baylor, but still gotta clean it up. I'm not impressed by how you've done it so far. All right, the I mean obviously the grit and the way you won was awesome, but still in a Pac-12 environment, I the way you're playing right now, I don't see you winning. Unless Cam Rising comes back and there's a magic wand that he also puts on the defense. And quickly, I would like to apologize. My apology of the week. Last week, it was Texas A&M. I apologize for overrating Texas A&M. And this week, I'm going to apologize for sleeping on Miami. Now, I know that's Miami. But, hey, they beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M kind of sucks. They Their play calling was just as bad as before. Maybe a little better than last year. But it pretty much looked like the five and seven Texas A and M we saw last year. I'm sorry, but gotta make some more changes. It Jimbo, it's not looking good. You can't lose that game. You can't lose it. it. Made the SEC look terrible. The SEC, by the way, is three and six against Power Five opponents. Three and six, and those three wins are to Arizona, Cal, and Virginia. And we know who how good those three teams are. Okay so sec is not looking great at a conference and back to the subject texas a&m come on what are you doing you still have one of the best talent uh bases best talent uh you know pool in the freaking league oh frustrating same as miami but miami performed um what is it van dyke uh quarterback for miami looking amazing love it um yeah not gonna lie I have kind of slept on Miami because they haven't done much the last few years I don't respect them very much I do now but I did not respect them very much just due to last season losing the middle Tennessee at home Duke and Pitt you can't really command respect when you lose to those teams hey you beat Texas A&M at home Texas A&M at home in front of a 50% filled stadium you gotta fill that stadium you gotta do that come on let's fill the stadium get people caring about football again in Miami But uh, respect, I ranked you guys 25 in my poll. I'm liking it. I'm liking what I'm seeing from the ACC. And for next week, week three, uh, we're going to be doing a full predictions episode with my guy, Sned. We're going to be finally filming another episode. Filming, as in video filming, visual. Another face reveal. Um, I've been doing this just on audio because I am, uh, it's really hard to do video, guys. And when I'm by myself, sometimes I don't feel like doing it, so... Uh, I've been doing audio for right now. We'll get the video back going up again soon with those predictions. But uh, my BYU Cougars traveled to Arkansas, SEC country, to play the Razorbacks. We'll see how that one goes. Uh, I don't – it would be – we'd call it an upset if we won out there. Arkansas is looking pretty dang good. I have them ranked in my poll at 24. Um, They barely fell out of the rankings in the AP. They are 26 or 27. But, yeah, guys, I'll see you guys this week. Week three. There are still some good games, not quite the flashiness of week two. Week three, we kind of got an intermission for some teams to reload. But there are always going to be good games. It's college football. Just because it's not Texas-Bama, there's going to be some other good games. You just got to know what to look for. Some people just look for those numbers on the side of the teams and say, oh, this is a good game. No, 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 no. UCF, Boise State, you guys see that game? Oh, yeah, okay. That game was Awesome. UCF won by a walk-off field goal. I actually really like UCF. I think they're going to be ranked pretty soon here. I like them. But uh, guys, week three's got some good games. Predictions. Everything. Next episode. All right, guys. Chase signing off. See you guys next time.